0: Are you headed to PodFest 2020 this week? I will be there and I would love to meet you. I just set up a little meet and greet in the Whova app that you heard Steve and I mentioned last week. So if you want to find it, go into the Whova app, scroll down to the bottom and click on community, then click meetup and then click on our meetup. So I named it Aspiring Podcasters Hangout for podcasting step-by-step listeners and just click join and then I will see you there have you been wanting to start a podcast for a while now but something's holding you back maybe it's fear of putting yourself out there or confusion about the technology i'm sarah michael and on podcasting step by step i'll break down how to podcast with a little loving motivation to give you the skills and the confidence you need to finally launch that show of your dreams let's get started We are back with my friend, Steve Stewart, a former podcaster turned professional podcast editor. Now, Steve sort of stumbled into this career and he ran with it because he discovered he absolutely loves editing audio for other people so he can help podcasters shine. If you are interested in starting a podcast editing side hustle or a full-fledged editing career like Steve, stay tuned for his sage advice on how to get your business off the ground by building relationships. Now into my conversation with Steve. Tell me about your transition from podcaster to podcast uh, service Editor. provider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what was your podcast? The
1: f- The podcast was Money Plan SOS. It was about budgeting, saving, investing, getting out of debt. It started in November 2010 and it lasted all the way through September of 2015. I actually recorded the 200th episode at FinCon 2015, which is kind of a perfect little closure. And the idea was I was going to relaunch that thing as a different show because I had put restrictions on myself as far as what I could do there. And instead of, just rebranding it just like i'm gonna i'm gonna close the doors on this one we'll retire it start a new show in the meantime i had been in this community that fincon community encouraging people to start podcasts because it was still pretty small back then people were getting interested but they just wouldn't wouldn't pull the trigger and i was like start a podcast start a podcast start. i was speaking about it and a couple of well-known bloggers got together and they were talking for months about starting a podcast together and they they're like you know what we've got to get off the pot Let's do this thing. We know Steve. We like Steve. We trust Steve. Let's call him and see if he'll help us out. I had just left the day job a few months prior to that. So this is...
0: And what day job was that?
1: I was an internal auditor for CKE. CKE is the parent company of Hardee's and Carl's Jr. So I'd go around and just... Anyway, we won't go go there. Lots (laughs) of travel.
0: I'm curious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lots of travel involved in that job. That's where I found podcasting was listening. And I found a, a way to plug my iPod into my car, which saved... Oh, so many, so much.
0: What, what so were you listening art. to back then?
1: At first it was, uh, some tech TV with Leo Laporte or not tech TV, but whatever his show was, at uh, this week in tech and probably this week in tech. And then, uh, Dave Ramsey, he put his radio shows on, on, uh, you know, on Apple back then it was iTunes. Uh, those are the starting points. And I found some other financial ones that I was interested in. I was like, Oh, this is cool. And money guy from, uh, Brian Preston and Bo Hansen, And that just kind of filled up my day of driving. Because I just couldn't put up with, with FM or AM radio anymore. Listening to music was okay, but you know that gets repetitive because it's, it's songs you've already heard, whereas yeah. I was learning while I was driving. And that was the benefit so, there.
0: while you were driving around and listening to these podcasts, did it ever like occur to you like, this is something I could do, or this is something I want to do? Yes,
1: it did. Uh, I, I had discovered podcasts in 2007, so it wasn't original back then. They've already been out a couple of years. But I have been for, you know, people can't see, but I've got a bunch of vinyl records right behind me. I have a wall of records. I was a DJ for three decades. So I knew how to use a microphone. I knew how to use gear and record and all that stuff. So that kind of helped me to be able to say, you know what, I've got the skills to be able to do this myself, at least the recording and editing part of it. Now, getting an RSS feed together and all that stuff, that was kind of a mystery. So I did have to hire and get some help from that, get some coaching. Uh, that was two back, back in 2010 when I finally did launch a show. So I was I was thinking I could do it, and then I had a plan to do it, and then I started putting some pieces together, but I never actually pulled the trigger for like two years. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Common story, though. A lot of us are like that. So what came first, DJing or auditing?
1: Oh, it was DJing. Yeah. DJing <laughs> okay. was uh, high school. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was, uh, one of the founding members of a breakdance group in the suburbs of Chicago and I was the DJ. My best friend was a graffiti artist. We had another guy who was the muscles, you know, it was just,
0: I cannot imagine this.
1: Well, it's cause if you look at me now, you have no idea that I could actually get on the floor and dance on my back. So it doesn't look <gasps> wow. like I could do it. <laughs>
0: Well, you're just like such a sweet natured, like dad type. I always think of you and like as a big family man. I can't imagine you being part of like a breakdance crew in where did you say Detroit?
1: No, 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 Suburbs of Chicago. Oh, so so now (laughs) I'm that guy at the wedding who will get on the dance floor and he's completely out of shape. And you're like, who is this? What's this guy doing? And he breaks, you know, doesn't popping and locking. I'd be that that guy probably.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. Uh, Well, we've got to see these moves in Orlando for sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, make sure I stay away from the parties.
0: (laughs) So, okay. So you were driving around listening to podcasts as your salvation to give you like uh, some education and just prevent you from being like bored as heck. And then you became a podcaster and then you were the inspiration to other people. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, we never did finish that story.
0: Yeah, let's go back to it.
1: So the day job was like that specific day job was the year 2000. Found podcasting in 2007, started podcasting myself in 2010 for that financial coaching business that I was growing, which I hadn't mentioned that yet. But this was, was your side hustle? Yeah, it was the side hustle at the time during the day job because what are you going to do in the hotel rooms at night? Watch television? What a waste of time. I started working on a financial coaching business, and then the podcast was just the marketing arm of that. Then 2015, it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, so I was retiring it. But then in the middle of that, these two financial bloggers got you know, connected with me and said, Hey, we just, we just want to hit record. We do the rest. And I was thinking, sure, I've got the time. I had then just left the day job a few months earlier, had all this extra time now uh, that I was spending doing the financial coaching business was now my day job and it wasn't going anywhere. So I thought, sure, I got the time. I have to charge you for it. They're like, absolutely, Steve, you're worth the time. And I was way undercharging myself. Oh my gosh. But I didn't know any better back then.
0: Did you think you were starting a business?
1: I, well, sure. It was a side hustle, you know, okay. it was going to go on my taxes, but it wasn't going to be an LLC or anything like that.
0: The editing thing. I mean, yeah. not coaching, editing. Okay. That yeah. Was the really editing. Yeah.
1: Hustle. Okay. Yeah. The editing was just a, a side hustle thing. Just like, uh, you know, any other type part-time job, but it was something you could do yourself an entre- entrepreneurial journey. And it was like, yeah, I love to serve podcasters. And these are two big names in our space. I'd love to be able to connect and serve with them all the time. So that was December of 2015. They launched December, uh, January of 2016. And it, it because they had huge email lists, it just exploded. And it really got people in the community, in that FinCon community, the financial blogger community, talking about, oh, Steve edits for other people, which never existed before. We know him. I hate editing. So let's call him. So by June of 2016, just six months later, my dance card was full. I couldn't do anything else. I had to give up. The other podcast that I started, which will remain unnamed, I had to give up the financial coaching business that I had started building eight years prior, and this editing thing just took over my life. And I'm really happy it did because I love it.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you love most about it?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I hadn't thought of answering. I think I like the fact that I can make a lot of the people that that I work for, my clients are my peers or my friends. And I get to make their art better. They're not going to go in and do the deep dive editing like I do. Mm-hmm. They're trusting me to take it and polish it up and make it better. And I I do believe that, especially in, in this much more competitive space of podcasting now, where there's, I think we're, we're about to peak 900,000 podcasts in Apple Podcast Directory now. It's getting crowded. And the shows that stand out are the ones that are produced better, sound better. The performance goes over better to the listener. They're going to be the ones that come back. And it's easier to keep somebody come back coming back to your show than to find a new
0: listener. Like anything in business, right? It's better to retain a customer than to try to find a new one. Yep, yep. So your niche has always been finance. Were you very mindful of keeping it that way rather than accepting people from all over the place?
1: I had first started uh just because i it was it was easy to get more clients who already knew who I was because mm-hmm. they already they already knew they I was already in the community I was a member of their community I was part of them uh but I was getting clients who were outside of the community a couple of uh doctors, a real estate uh sales guy um I had some other ones like that. I eventually shed them uh, and gave them to other clients or other people because I did want to make my niche. Focused on this FinCon community, which is paid off in dividends because I am now the podcast guru. They actually gave me a t-shirt at FinCon last year. It says the podcast guru on it, FinCon podcast guru. Uh, and, and everybody looks to me like I'm some kind of an expert in that community about podcasting. There's other people who know a lot about podcasting there. I've actually, uh, I've, I've tried to help a couple other people get into editing podcasts for other people. They're my direct competition in my own niche and yet I'm still helping him out. It's kind of weird. It's because I don't have to be the only guy. This thing is growing leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can focus even deeper on my niche if I want to. And with with my dance card being full already, there's nothing, you know, keeping me from uh, growing this thing or just letting other people get into the space as well and having them be on my team rather than being my direct competition.
0: I love that. That's a great way to do business. So, Steve, you mentioned that you're still going to FinCon even though your business is podcasting now and not necessarily finance and financial blogging. So can we talk a little bit about how we can go to conferences to network for business and to like find new clients? Like what's your strategy there?
1: Oh, it's those conversations, the hallway. Absolutely. Because there's going to be a time where you meet somebody and you just click and it's not going to be the first person and it might not be the last person. It could be anybody in the middle there. And it may not be somebody who hires you for six months, One of my biggest clients, my the podcast that has one of the biggest downloads of any show that I edit for, they we talked about, you know, they they had approached me at FinCon 2017, and it wasn't until January, the following year, that they hired me. Uh, that's fine because that was that was the you know the long play. A lot of this is long play as well.
0: I guess I just want to talk through how these nurturing relationships works. You don't strike me as the type of guy who would do like the hard sell or like chase people around. So they approached you because you built your name because you picked your niche. And then you just had like a good chat with them and, you know, they knew what you were all about.
1: I've always had a giving spirit in how I approach things because for me, it's just to go up and say, hey, I'll be your editor and sell them on a cold call. It just makes me think of those people on Facebook who are like... Oh, uh, I'll get you 400, you know, reviews in 24 hours. You know, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And if I can help somebody get better and then they just happen to mention it to somebody else that I helped, you know, help them out, it just grows my image, my credibility, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. And that was all came from a giving spirit. There's nothing wrong with giving and helping other people, which these conferences are all built around helping other people do better in their own things. And I think the underlying cause You know, I had an underlying cause I still do with helping the FinCon community, and that's helping to promote and improve financial literacy because there's not enough of that in the world. And in the podcasting space, I'm doing the same thing, but about podcasting, helping podcasters do better and make Mm -hmm. better content and be able to connect with their audience better. And the only way you can do that is you help people who are just like you.
0: So you have been editing podcasts for quite a while now but this is editing is something that really intimidates a lot of people just the sound waves just really freak them out what advice would you give to somebody who's just getting started what are like what's the easiest way to get started
1: First of all if you've done any kind of video editing or anything with any kind of editing program on your computer just go ahead and try using that a little bit uh i i do have people tell me that they edit their podcast in camtasia which i think is horrible a horrible way to do it i should say it's not horrible it's just a horrible way to do it camtasia is that
0: a presentation software
1: yeah it's a screen capture software so it's more built for video and it's not going to be as detailed as what you can get with even an audacity things like that what I, what I don't want someone to do is to try and learn a new DAW, a new digital audio workstation, a new software, if they don't have to. What we want to do is get past the problem of using the tool and get to the point where you're getting the job done. You need to ship the job. You need to get it done. Otherwise, you'll you'll quit podcasting. And that's that's the worst thing you do is just quit podcasting if you're editing your own show uh, or if you're editing for other people as well. So get to know what you're using, but then also entertain the idea of other softwares that do what you need it to, which again, with some of these like Hindenburg's got some great tools that are built into it. That'll automatically they will do the normalization for you. It's amazing. It's just bring it in there. Volume levels go up. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, and then you can invest some time over the next days, weeks, months, learning some new tool that will then make you a better editor or producer of your own show or shows for other people as well.
0: What advice would you give somebody if they are like, you know what, I'm not sure editing is for me. I want to outsource this to somebody.
1: <laughs> you definitely want to get get it off your plate. Uh, if, if you don't f- know somebody who does it, then I know of a Facebook group where we could post something for them and get them applications from all over the world and all kinds of different people and just filter through some of the submissions there. It's not that hard to find. No, I shouldn't say it. It's not that difficult. To find an editor, it's just finding the right editor might be a little more difficult. A lot of people start off with Upwork, but then again, you're just going with, you know, sales copy on a page. If you want to have a conversation with a human being and get to know them a little bit, and I do believe hiring an individual uh, is is valuable, although there are some larger services out there with, you know, they've got dozens of editors that they outsource to themselves um, that can do it as well. I don't even know where you could... I mean, there's so many different ways you can start. Upwork was one, like I said, but I wouldn't go there. There's the companies you could just do a Google search for and find them there. Uh, or you can reach out to me and I can help you find any one of 5,000 podcast editors who are interested in working with you at different stages of their expertise as well. But giving the, the giving the project away to somebody else is scary. Yeah. Letting somebody else edit your stuff, it's scary. It's scary for me still to give projects that my clients are paying me to do to the people who I've trained and outsourced to, even though they're doing fantastic jobs and they have been for a couple of years now, it's still scary because you lose control. So you've got to get past the scariness part and you can always review it too before you publish it, but you've got to get some help because the, the editing, editing and show notes, I think are the two biggest pain points for any podcaster.
0: Yeah. That and, and, and social media, I think is the third one.
1: Yeah. Social media, social media is optional. Editing <laughs> in my mind, not optional. Show notes, not optional.
0: (laughs) Yeah, editing's not optional for sure. So you bring up a good point about control and trust. And uh, yeah, that's a hard thing, especially when you have a vision in your mind of how you want an episode to go or your overall show to go. So how do you have that conversation with your clients to make sure that everybody's on the same page?
1: I always have a first conversation with them after we've talked about getting work together, you know, getting together and working together, uh, we always have at least a 30 minute conversation and it's mostly about format and stuff like that. But they hopefully already generally know what I'm going to be doing. But I will mention, you know, we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to take out the ums and ahs, which they appreciate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and they, they, the people who hire me are paying a premium. I know it sounds bad, but they're paying me a premium to do it. And I, I do a deep dive at it. I won't just slap the thing together and EQ it for 10 bucks. I, I, that's not who I am. So they'll, they already know it's just by the the amount that, that I'm charging them that I'm going to do a deep dive edit and the post-processing of the audio, stuff like that. Uh, it's that conversation that really makes it clear. Uh, I don't actually have any sales copy on my website and I should probably, but a, a contract also comes in handy too, when you've got a contract and contract sounds so formal and, you know, restrictive on what you'll do, but sometimes they they really do pay off by having terms and agreements clearly stated to each other, both as a client or as the person providing the service. Uh, That way there's no gray areas. And if there's any gray areas, I make sure that customer service comes first. If you've got a heart to serve and you go in it first off with saying, I'm going to serve this customer really well, yes, you will be spending more time Answering questions that don't have to do with, you know, they'll ask you about their microphone and stuff like that. Um, you'll have you'll be doing more stuff for them, but it's going to pay off in retention much, much later and recommendations as well.
0: Yeah. So do you do they trust you to do um, contextual edits? Like if you hear something that sounds like, oh, this would mm-hmm. be much better over to like the beginning. Do they trust you to do that? Do they give you notes? Does it depend on the client?
1: You know, I didn't even think about bringing that up. That's such a great point because I don't do that unless I'm told to do that. Now, there are a couple of clients that will say, Steve, I trust you. Take out anything that's just junk. And it still scares me, too, because they know what the recording was. They were there. So they might have had a dog barking when the Amazon truck showed up and dropped something at the porch. And here I edited it out. But then a half hour later, they refer back to it. Saying, yeah, when the dog was barking earlier when the Amazon came, you remember that? Yeah. And I went to the door. Well, now it's like, well, I don't remember when that was. I got to go put this back in. So I, 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 I fear taking out context because A, it's not my responsibility to decide what stays in. B, I don't know if it needs to stay in until I'm done. I'm not going to go through it a second time. It's something that they would have to clearly state uh, to have taken out. And that happens too. Oh, Steve. Uh, they taught, They said something they thought was kind of off-color. Can you take that out? It's political. Take it out. Uh, you know, any kind of bleeps. Take it out. Yeah.
0: For you, for new podcasters who are just, or new editors uh, who are just getting into this space, what are some things that you think should be in the contract to protect them?
1: I hate the protect them part because if you go on with it, the mindset of you're protecting your client.
0: I was going to ask the flip side after as part two of the question, but oh, we can well. we can say it's for both. So I'll start well, no, it again.
1: I, no, no, no. Start it again. Okay. Because I, I think this is the way I want to answer that question. Okay. So your question was, as a podcast editor going with a contract to protect them, I actually think that the contract should be written to protect the client. Now, I don't think that you should just ignore the fact that you need to put parameters on what you're going to do. And that's part of your quote system is how much more extra effort will you add to your price tag that they won't take advantage of? You know, if they're going to be calling you every week about stuff, that's, that's time intensive. Make sure that's in your quote. But you're going to go in there with the, with the mindset saying, I'm going to do this for you. This is all going to be something for you. And I'm going to provide that service. Rather than going in there saying, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do. You're serving the customer by giving them a contract that says, here's what I'm going to do for you. And those are the fences on your services that you're going to put up. And it doesn't look like a fence. It looks like I'm giving, I'm giving to that person. So the contract could be written in a way where it's more like, here's what I will do rather than here's what I won't do.
0: Yeah. That's brilliant for any service provider. I think very good advice, Steve. Mm
1: -hmm. And there's always going to be questions that come up later. You just you got to be ready for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, do you have uh, anything else you want to say to the, future podcast editors of the world or current?
1: When you start out as a podcast editor or a VA serving podcasters, just keep in mind that your quote right now is going to be low. It's, you're not going to be making as much money as you need to. I do think everybody needs to be making at least $20 US uh, every hour of their work. However you charge for that is irrelevant. You need to be able to earn that much because otherwise you could just go flip burgers at McDonald's. But if you're getting started and you need to build that portfolio do excellent customer service and deliver on time or early if possible, because what that will do is pay off in dividends later on where your clients are going to brag about you to other people. And that other person is going to be the one who's coming on board saying, Hey, Steve, somebody told me about you. They say I should go with you. And now your rates have already went up. So you're going to start to earn more money with every additional client that you bring on.
0: Great advice. Well, Steve, tell us where we can learn more about you.
1: You can learn more about me at steve That's steve, S T E W A R T.me. Or if you want to learn more about the Podcast Editors Conference, go to podcasteditorsconference.com, March 6th in Orlando.
0: Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you, Sarah. So much great advice from Steve. And my favorite takeaway is. Write your contract to protect your client. I really love this giving, trust-building language that shows that you care and that you want to help your podcaster grow. They're not just a paycheck, they're a partner. What was your biggest takeaway? Find me on Instagram and let me know. And I am going to see Steve in a few days in Florida at PodFest. And I am for sure going to get him to do some breakdancing for us and hopefully (laughs) I can get it on video and I'll share it with you. All right, that's all for now. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to podcasting step-by-step. You are now one step closer to launching that podcast you've been dreaming about, but I want to get you even closer. I created a free guidebook for you with actionable worksheets called Eight Mistakes New Podcasters Make and How to Fix Them. To find that, head on over to sarahmichatel.com slash fix.